Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. The backbone of a successful pipeline management plan is a well-designed, strategic-aligned sales process that you use. The vast majority of companies that I consult and the ones that I own have a sales mythology structured to fit the product or service that we're offering. We left off in the last episode talking about the difference in the sales pipeline stages within the fit the strengths and most importantly, weaknesses of any company. As you notice, we went so far into detail, we only covered initial contact and how to properly qualify a lead to move into the stage of the meeting to the proposal and then of course, my favorite, the sale. I decided to bring back on sales trainer colleague Wes Bays to discuss further into what we use to reach radical results in sales and in business. To the listeners out there, please note, these methods require you as a salesperson to be laser focused on the outcome of the buyer winning at all times. It's the only way these methods will work properly. If any of you are listening to this just to make money, Go and listen to another podcast as the win-win effect is here to be dedicated to the core ethical selling. With that being said, let's not waste any more time and let's dive right in. Wes, welcome back after a long Veterans Day weekend. How you doing today? Oh, it's great, Chris. How about yours? It was good. It was good. Not long enough, but long enough to do some critical thinking, that's for sure. Some of the things that I discovered during the critical thinking is that I realized one of the things that helped us be extremely effective with companies is that we're able to cultivate the right approach to define the right sales process for each particular company. One of the first things companies tend to ask me, Wes, is what is my sales process? Me being able to answer that question properly, there's a few things that I need to discover. You know, maybe some key performing indicators, KPIs that particular company uses to maximizing sales for their products and services. And most importantly, I look at their fulfillment process and then try to peel back the layers and most importantly, looking into how can they increase the overall experience of every customer. Wes, what are some things that initially jump out to you with what I've covered so far? Yeah, the one thing that really jumped out to me was how when companies are asking about a sales process, right? Because you actually can't ask what is your sales process or what do you, more importantly, what do you think my sales process should look like? Right. Because a sales, a true well-developed sales process takes a while and it, and it, you have to really dig into it. Right. So when a company typically comes and asks me or asks us, what is, you know, what should my sales process look like? Or what is a sales process? The reason why I believe it's so hard for us to answer is because it's, it's customized to every company. It's, it's uh, customized to every outcome or result, right? So the, of course you can give the surface level, but who really wants the surface level, right? I mean, it's it, it's completely customizable and we have to sit down. And that's why I'm excited for today's topic as well, is because we get to really just sit down and go into a little bit more detail 
about what that really looks like. That brings another good point of what you're talking about is that you talked about surface level. And I see a lot of sales trainers, you know, in the industry, they give this surface level questions and answers when they're on podcasts or even on some of their trainings or social media or whatnot, whatever. And I see a lot of them talk about things that you can really tell Wes. And I know that we've had a previous conversation about this and they really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And, and I'm not trying to like discredit some people's, you know, content or whatnot, but the, the whole methodologies of, you know, that we kind of roll out with our companies, you know, we're very methodical, right? And I don't want to get too far off the ledge of this or too far off topic, but I feel that all sales processes should begin with like basic step-to-step framework that many trainers use. But I think that's what helps us be able to make so much an impact with companies is that we're going to train on more complex strategies of selling. Would you agree with that? I would agree. The That's actually an important piece as well. And it's, it comes to delivery. So for example, I had a company that once asked me um, about the sales process and what that should look like. And one of the main concerns of the sales manager was that he feels that his people are understanding it. right? And I looked through, of course, you look through their training program, you looked at how they actually go about it. And one thing I started to realize, um, and I know we'll get, we'll talk a little bit about this today, is that the delivery of the sales process or teaching the salesperson how to actually go about it is usually one dimensional. And what I mean by that is that it's it's always presented in one way. I would agree with that. Yeah. When, when I'm looking to, uh, if I want everybody to understand what the sales process looks like and what makes it effective, I need to deliver it in the way in which they're going to understand. Right. So for, for some people that's, they watch it happening in real time. For some people that, you know, they need a process map. Right. For some people, they need me to kind of walk them through or need they need examples. Right. And so um, that's one of the big that's why you hear so many sales trainers always at surface level is because they're a little bit afraid. Usually comes back to their own confidence about what they do. They're a little bit afraid to go in deeper because they're afraid that they'll get lost and not know how to make their way back out. Right. And, and expose themselves. Right. So that's why we're not afraid to go into so much detail on these. Because we have taken the time, and because we are so methodical in what we do, we have taken the time to really understand every level of what we do so that we can deliver it in every way that somebody needs in order for them to truly understand it. Right. Well, for them to truly understand it sometimes, it's all about us being able to have that structure, for, at least for myself. When I don't have a structure, I'm unorganized. I'm a little flustered. I don't know where to go next. Well, me not knowing where to go next, I'm less confident. And that goes against everything that I'm built on and what helps me become confident in every recommendation or every encounter with a prospective buyer. What helps me become confident is this is the approach that I follow throughout my career. And one that I'm going to use as an example during this episode. I hope all the listeners out there will be able to make easy adjustments based on your own specific situation, whatever your process is in your organization. My key message here is having a strong sales process program in place, you know, is an essential key to any effective pipeline management plan. I mean, this even goes back to before you even start prospecting. This is our basic process. You might want to write this down. It's called the idea approach. I-D-E-A. Introduction. Then I'm going to lead off with some basic information on why I'm the expert. It's all about positioning. D. Discovery. Need, want, and desire. So we're going to find out a lot about them. Then I'm going to tie in emotion into everything that I discover in a discovery phase. Then I'm going to lean into the appointment if it's appropriate. This moves into the meetings and ultimately presenting a product or service. Wes, we left off on qualifying the prospective buyer after that initial contact. Before moving on to teaching the listeners how to align their process with the pipeline stages, what's the biggest thing that jumps out to you? Specifically, how to engage in a discussion that leads into positioning. It's all about setting expectation. Right. If you're going into the intro and you go, you know, you get past the point where you're like, you know, this is Wes with blah, blah, blah. How you doing today? Get past that piece. It's Now it's time to frame it. Time to frame it by setting the expectation. And when you're going through, if it depends on the call, you know, as well. So if, let's just say this is a cold call. Um, or say maybe they're interested, right? Maybe they've filled out something that they're interested in, whatever you have to offer. Now you're going to go in and say the purpose for my call today is to go through. And I know that you had shown some interest in blah, blah, blah. The purpose of today's call is for me to understand a lot more about you 
I'm going to be asking you some questions in order for me to really be able to see if this is going to be the best fit for you moving forward, right? Or whatever that, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Or you can set the expectation as well to see if this is actually something that might be suited for you and it's going to be worth your time, right? Right. Or worth both of our times, right? So whatever the case might be, but it's all about the point is you're setting the expectation of what's going to happen on that call, usually through an agenda. If you do this correctly, listeners, that transition to going into discovery, the need to want, desire, the will, whatever it is, you're going to find out a lot about them. It's going to make it seamless. The point that I'm making with this is before you can make any presentations as a salesperson, you need to map out your plan to gather research and important information about the lead or prospect you've been given. If it's an existing account, then it's making sure all of their account details are up to date. Quite simply, this is called knowing the customer before you even met them. Assess the need and solution required. You're making calls either in person or over the telephone. You're asking questions, listening and evaluating what your solution can be. And paying attention and being conscious of the fact that you're interrupting their world. Since you're interrupting your world, be kind enough to be empathetic of their own situation. This is like being an investigative reporter, getting as much information you can from the customer, solve with the product or service, or lean in or finding your angles. Once all the information has been gathered, now you can meet with others on your team because every person on your team, if you're in sales, is a resource, even goes to the marketing department to business development. You can prepare the concepts, products, or services, and then you'll present to your customer at a later time. Next comes to present and sell your products if you're moving from that qualified stage. This is the fun part. And if you've done all the initial steps of the sales process properly, this step is easy. Ask for the business. Why are you even on the call in the first place? Value their time just as much as you're going to value yours. This is the step that causes many novice salespeople to fear be so scared, Wes. But it's so important and so simple. In the meeting phase, it's all about making promises to the prospective buyers that you can fulfill on only. Deliver on your promises. The work has just begun. Just because you qualified the lead doesn't mean that you're going to be able to deliver it on time, whatever your product or service you're selling. You have to be able to deliver. Many schedules and ensure commitments are kept on both sides. Hold them accountable. If done properly and when using the right amount of tonality, it will show that you care. Because if I really genuinely care about what's happening on the other end of that encounter and how they're receiving it, is that going to get me closer to the outcome that I'm desiring for that client or myself, Wes? Of course. I mean, that, that that's where that emotional awareness comes in. The Remember, the client wants to know that you care. The client wants you to know that you have their best interest. Right. So you can't possibly go wrong by going that way. Right. You can only do better, obviously, within certain boundaries. And that's why a lot of people don't go this route, because they genuinely don't give a shit. And then when they do try to talk about things like this, they come, to, they come across where they, they, they're not believable because it, they don't have that certain feeling to it. You know, depending on what type of company you work for, you may or may not be heavily involved with prospecting. And that's OK. But this would include everything from researching, you know, markets potential customers making cold calls or generating emails. I, I'm just, I'm not trying to go off of, you know, go into left field here, but whether you can handle it or not, you have to have that human interaction at some point. You're not a robot. People don't buy from people because they like the product or service. Sure. They might enjoy the benefits or features, but they don't buy it because of that. Why do they buy it, Wes? They buy it because of how that person made them feel. Bingo. Brings me to a really good question for listeners. Did you know that data shows that a full 50% of customer loyalty is based purely on the client's relationship with you? Think about all the excuses that you hear on your sales floor about why clients walk away or why prospects don't do business with your company. But at the end of the day, customer loyalty is much more in your control than you actually think. I know we're talking about engaging in a discussion, which gives you more information to be able to serve your client better. But think about this overall with customer loyalty. What does that mean? Listen up, listeners. Here's a key point to remember. You're not just selling to that potential customer. It's about their social circle, circle of influence, 
tapping into their resources, their network. Build in or align your sales stages and your sales process referrals. I sell with the end in mind at all times. So I'm not just selling to that potential customer or client. I'm selling to everybody they potentially know because based off of their experience with me and increasing that overall experience, I'm going to lean in at some point asking for referrals. Wes, can you give the listeners a little bit more of an idea how to align referrals into your sales process or stages? Absolutely. I mean, it it's all about being conscious of it, of it right? That's the first part is being conscious of your intent for referrals. Okay, so the first part is make it a priority. And then look at the different stages of your sales process as an inch more towards getting that referral. Right. So if you want anything, right, and you know it's gonna take a little bit of time, what do you do? You set it up first, right? So you kind of start to make it aware of what you're looking for. So it all starts with the conversations. Right. right. So in my sales process conversation, A, I'm talking to this person. I'm gonna first start to identify, for example, who is their circle of influence or their social circle, who are the people that they go to, who are the people that they hang out with, right? Because people hang out with people that are very similar to them, right? So if, say this person is an ideal client of mine, who in your circle, right? So I start identifying those. You don't have to ask them right up front, especially if you haven't given value. So say you haven't given enough value for that person to ask for a referral. Now you want to first start to identify who will you start to lean towards when you have given that value. So I start right. through my conversations and this is my intention is to start getting these names is I'm going to ask some questions about what do they do? Who, who do they hang around? What do they do for fun? You know, what are their, you know, what do they do with their friends? Who are their friends? Right. I'm going to start, I'm going to start figuring these things out through my questions and I'm going to start making a note of it and not a mental note, but an actual note of who these people are. And with every, with every step, I'm always going to, I'm going to going to, you know, drop seeds constantly throughout my process. So conversation one, you know, as I'm telling them what I expect, so I know, you know, we've talked about setting that expectation. And when I'm talking about what they expect, part of that, I'm going to tell them that, you know, after we have gotten to X outcome, I will be asking you for who you believe, you know, we can potentially help based off of the value that you've received, right? So I planted the seed. And now I'm going to consciously insert the next step of that with every part of that sales process. That's a really good point. And what he's doing, guys, is he's pre-staging or in this case, future pacing while holding himself accountable to increasing the overall experience of the customer. People don't put that into their sales process or the sales stages. You know, and selling with the outcome in mind is key. When I was in, when I very first got started in education sales, I realized that my best enrollments or the more time that I was able to focus on engaging in discussion and listening with a prospective buyer. I was going to be able to expose a lot more opportunities for myself that didn't really require a lot of lifting. It's important for everyone to be conscious of the more that you speak as a salesperson, it's less opportunities for you to dig into deeper of what they're really looking for, especially on a discovery call. A lot of younger salespeople or a lot of inexperienced salespeople, they think they need to get on a phone and ask a ton of questions and be so enthusiastic it's going to be a lot stressful. It's going to be extremely stressful. Over the course of my career, Wes, I've made thousands of calls to leads and prospects with the objective of developing into a lifelong client or an ongoing customer. An ongoing customer, especially in education, I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this and they're in real estate in different, different sectors of sales. It doesn't really matter what industry. We can teach you how to align this to your sales process. But when you're focusing on having an ongoing customer or a lifelong client, how many times can you hit somebody with a referral, do you think, Wes? Infinite. I don't care who you are. Every salesperson has had a bad week or a bad month or a bad period of time. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going to go into a rut. Everyone's going to have difficult times where their shit's just not working, or it could be the leads. It could be the approach. It could be the marketing team that's not really pinpointing their audience. Whatever it is, I had the luxury of working inside of a campus, Wes. I can easily go into those classrooms and hit people up for referrals. And I did it every about every two to three weeks. Like, yo, I need more people. But whether a new sales representative or a seasoned professional, establishing rapport with your buyer takes time. And candidly, it can be very stressful if you do all the heavy lifting. That was my point. 
Why is it so important, Wes, to engage more into a discussion when you're working with that client for the first time? Because you need to, well, one, you need to extract this information kind of like we talked about, but it's also, like we said, planting that seed. Right. Right. So when you're engaging in that conversation with that client, you're also, and this is one thing that you actually, you know, just said, Chris, I'm just going to put it a little bit different, but the, when you're, you're going after students, right? In your example, you're going after the students of the people that you, the, the students that you already enrolled for more students, right? But what, what you did there was you developed the, that relationship and the expectation of that relationship that you can flat out go to that person and say, I need a referral from you. Who do you have? Right, let's go through it. Because now you've built that kind of a relationship and you did that purposefully, right? It's different than if maybe you didn't have that level of rapport with that person and then you went up to them and was like, hey, I need a referral. They're going to be like, who are you? Right. Because I don't you didn't give me that much value. I don't have that kind of rapport with you. Right. So through your discussion, it's important that you're focused on purposefully developing a specific relationship with that person. Also extracting the right type of information so that you can have the ability to go through and ask for that referral. I hope that made sense the way I put that. No, it made it made complete sense. And I'm glad that you elaborate a little bit more on that because I get a lot of deer in headlight looks when I give the give trainings on referrals. I mean, you can even base it with, especially the biggest one that jumps out to me in industry is real estate. I, I've, I know a lot of friends that have real estate companies will start it off just by themselves as freelancing or working for somebody else as a real estate agency. And now they own their own based off of them understanding how they're able to gain more from their potential clients. And gaining more from your potential clients, that trust cannot be built without that understanding on the first call is that, listen, there's going to be many obstacles that will prevent us from really getting along during this process. Let's be real. But if we decide to move forward and I do accept you on as a client and we actually open up the next conversation to seeing how I can help you further, we're going to need to make sure that there's an understanding and establishing that relationship and those boundaries. I teach people on the very first call, Wes, and you've seen me do it and I've seen you do it as well. I teach them how to work with me. I'm not having a conversation about products and services, am I? No, not at all. And that's it's funny that you say it because, yeah, I've, I have watched you do that and, and you do this extremely well to where, look, these are my expectations. You know, if, if right. you want to have the most from our relationship, this is how it has to go, right? And, and why? Because you are positioned as the authority, right? And you're positioning yourself as the authority, whereas you're not asking for their permission. You're telling them what's going to happen. And asking their permission only happens, do you have enough time today to speak to me? Listen, for me moving forward from this phone call, either you're going to be working with myself or you're going to be working with one of my team members that will assist you. Either way, you're still going to be able to get what you invested into and with all of our programs. But my expectations are higher than most people on my team. What does that mean to you? And I asked the fucking client, right? I asked them. Listen, here's my goals. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And here's what I do accept when I actually ask someone to come on board and you know be coached by me or consulted with me. These are the techniques. And I know we're talking a lot about you know positioning and how to qualify a buyer and then moving on. I spend so much more of my time on that first call because if you nail your first call, you can get anything you want from that client ever. But the whole key to this ethical selling is they need to understand that your job, you're not giving this call away. You're not speaking to them for free. Does that make sense? That makes that makes a ton of sense. I mean, again, it goes back to, and we talked about this before, was what's your intent with that client, right? And, and what do you want your relationship to really look like with that person? I mean, I've had clients where, you know, I've turned them from a $10,000 client to over a six-figure client because of the relationship that I built. And that was over time. Right. So it, it's really important. I'm actually really happy that we're talking about the referrals now because I'll give you a perfect example. I'm not even going to use myself as an example here, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about somebody that I know. I know a car sales guy. You know, he, he is, he's been doing car sales for a very long time. The average car salesperson sells like what, 10, 15 cars a week, maybe max or a month. I mean, 10, 15 cars a month. This guy sells over 80 cars a month and does it all through referrals. Every single, he has developed such a relationship with every client 
that he has people passing people on his way every single day. And he closes up to the point where now he has two assistants. I'm like, I've never seen a car guy having an assistant. And he's selling over 80 cars every single month. And that shows you the power of leverage. And I'm excited that we're going to talk, really dig into this today because it's, it's important for people to understand how much easier your sales career can really be if you set the right expectations of how you're going to work with that client to get the most referrals from that client. And we can have a lot of different calls on referrals because everything that we do, Wes, is prepping for the next piece. Friends of mine do car sales and they don't do a number as 80. That's a shit ton of cars, right? So, right. I mean, that's for, for some dealerships, depending on what you know dealership it is and how it structures with the payouts. What's their normal commission, do you think? It's, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm actually looking it up as we speak. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and literally, the average average is ten car sales with a. I think the commission it looks like is around three hundred and thirty dollars per car, and they get ten. So the average car salesman makes forty thousand a year. So this guy does eight times more, which puts him what at three hundred and twenty thousand a year. So he's doing eight times more and doing half the work than everybody else. Right. Here's the line that you do not cross as a salesperson. Thinking about referrals and that relationship, relationship building is not being nice to the prospective buyer. That's not what that means. I see a lot of salespeople fail at this. It doesn't matter, guys. Like What you need to understand is the relationship building is based off of the experience that they're going to have with you. That's it. I really want to be able to spend enough time with that prospective buyer where they felt like, listen, Chris is a hard ass. But he's direct and he helped me. And I want them to think about some of the toxic beliefs or some of the things that I helped them anchor and frame in their life and destroying these toxic beliefs and understanding what that limiting belief is doing to hurt them and preventing them from actually seeing the results they're searching for. They'll go, damn, that guy has a limiting belief of money. Chris can help him. I'm going to give you his phone number. You know how many business cards that I would give to prospective buyers? Right now that you really don't need a business card, you just type in this is at this is Chris Ross. Bam, you got me. Right, that's a beautiful part about how the world is. You don't need to have a a business card. I remember the days you give me a business card, I took a picture of it on my phone. Right, the point that we're making here, guys, is that in order to be able to have a great pipeline and establishing a pipeline based off of how great you are as a salesperson, that comes with you holding yourself accountable and starting with the end in mind. You mentioned how much money he makes off of each car, correct? So what he, what I would do is right when you were like, kind of like going through that just now, Wes, I was already determining my gross revenue goal. Right. <laughs> right? Based off of his commissions. So he makes 300 and something bucks off of every car potentially. But if he's able to get two to three referrals that buy a car, that could be, you know, 900 bucks, right? Could be 1200 bucks off that potential client. But if you're determining your revenue goal, I'm starting to think about, okay, I need to make X amount of dollars every month to be able to take 65% putting into investing, taking X amount of dollars and putting into or X amount of percentage and putting into certain things of working on myself. If you do this correctly as sales guys, you can build and redefine yourself by just gaining more knowledge and investing back into you. I mean, I just didn't wake up one day and went... I'm going to be great in sales. No, I made a conscious decision. I need to, what can I do for my clients to be able to stand out? And that's strong verbal skills, you know, are often what lead many of us into sales professionals. That's where you can be a salesperson, but you can be a sales professional is different. Would you agree? I would agree. And the part about really investing in yourself, that's really key. That really key. That's a great point because the your biggest investment, if you're, especially if you're just starting out, you know, and say you're not making a lot of money and, you know, you're just getting your footing in sales, your biggest investments right now should be about how to increase your skill set. Right. Right. Or how to increase the opportunity that you have. And all that comes through learning. I mean, that's pretty much all I did in the beginning of my career is I invested in one form or fashion of how do I increase my skill set? You know, whether that was in a mentor or that was in books, whether that was in courses, I mean, it didn't matter. I wanted to do everything. Why? Because I want to build my own, I want to build my skill set up and then build my own perspective on sales so that I can get better each and every day. That's a huge piece. And and people listening to this, 
this is also a form of of learning and developing by right? listening to what we're talking about here you know but continue that forward that would be my biggest you know suggestion i'm so happy that a conversation went here and i know that we're just going into the second stage of qualifying your prospective buyer but this has everything to do with setting them up for a lifetime a lifelong client and setting up as a lifelong client you need to be a lifelong learner. So make them a part of your journey. Every prospective buyer that's ever bought a t-shirt from me, Wes, a Popsicle, or a $150,000 program has been a part of my journey. And I know that I've heard you say this as well, is that they invested into me. They didn't buy the product or service. I've had people buy products and services from another company 10 years ago, Wes. And they've reached out to me recently on Instagram, Facebook, whatever those platforms. And my team got to me and said, hey, this person says they know you. And they are looking into you know what you do now. I'm like, great. Now I own the business. Right Now that trust is there. They'll do anything I ask them to do. But I'm only going to do it, make sure that I'm going to do it morally and ethically based off of their wants and desires and needs. This is where a lot of people don't understand how important it is to sell ethically and sell with the outcome in mind of how everyone's going to win. Because if I was selling that program or selling anything, that t-shirt at Popsicle West, if I sold it to them and they didn't actually get any joy or satisfaction from it, I mean, what are the chances of them actually investing with me again? Not a chance. I mean, there, there is no trust there. There is no credibility. And it's the way that they view you is the reason why they're there and the type of relationship that you built from them. And just to kind of go back to your point, the the reason why they also got value from you the first time is because of the fact that you're constantly developing yourself right a lot of people think that you can that it's all about directly influencing somebody the most of the way that most of the ways that i've influenced people in my life has been indirectly through my actions and because of my actions that also the the scenarios that i play out for them or the environments that i put for them for them to grow and develop Right. right. Without me having to directly tell them anything or or coach them directly or anything along those lines. And so becoming, you know, developing yourself, becoming a lifelong learner is is a huge piece of it. And that's when you're adding more value to yourself, you're adding more value to others. Mm-hmm. And that's how you really have to look at it. You got And that's the same thing with your client. Right. So you're leading them. Right. And going back to what we're talking about referrals, I mean, you're leading them. So if you're leading them to saying, Hey, this is what I'm going to help you out with. This is who I am. This is a value that I'm going to bring to you. And at some point, I would appreciate, you know, the thank you that I get is based off of others that you feel like I can help. That's a huge piece, but you'll only ever get it as if you're truly becoming that person. It's not about right. even acting as if it's truly becoming that person, that sales professional, like you were talking about. First thing I say to them when I get them back on a call or if I talk to them again, Wes, is say, Jack, I really do appreciate the time that we had together based off of the information that my team shared with me of how you reached out. Seem, things seem to be going well for you. Or am I just jumping too far ahead? Catch me back up with your life. Chris, I really just want to reach out to you and say congratulations on everything you seem to be doing phenomenal. Yeah, things didn't change. Remember to respect, you know, and then I kind of, I actually, rem- if I actually dig hard enough and try to remember who they are, I know their story. And what it meant to me to be able to help them overcome something. There are certain toxic beliefs that I identify with people that I've worked with in the past and how I've helped them overcome them. And this is where a lot of people fail, Wes, is they stay in this discovery phase and they think they need to find their angle to sell their product or service. A lot of people, for a lot of prospective buyers, it doesn't matter what industry, let's go with healthcare. Okay. So someone's calling them and say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell you insurance. How much is your insurance is the first question. How much is your insurance and what is the terms? If I was a salesperson and answering these questions, if I was an insurance salesman, I would say this. I'm like, listen, client, that's a really good question. I can understand why you asked that question at this time. However, this is a discovery call. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. What are your standards in life? I need to establish more about you to make that decision. Do you see what I'm saying? And I don't even know if you'll be a great fit for the product or service or the insurance plan or what plan will actually work better for you in a long term. How many people do you have in your family? Why do you think that I handled that objection that way rather than telling him what he asked? 
because well, one, you're 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 gonna pigeonhole yourself if you actually go down that route. But two, uh, what you're doing is is you're establishing the trust and the care, right? That hey, I'm I'm different, right? And I'm here to protect, help you protect you and your family, right? So you know, I I sold insurance in the past, so I, I like I love the way that you went through that uh, piece, and that most people are looking for the price and the quote. Right. So that makes a lot of sense that a lot of people go that way. But even my top clients in that field came from the fact that I acted as the advisor and I truly acted as a, as the consultant and showed that I care. Right. And that I'm not here to quote you. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the the new policy you're going to get. I want to make sure that the things that actually matter to you are going to happen. Right. Whether Mm -hmm. it's now or, you know, unfortunately, if you were to pass away before, you know, or short, but pass away short, you know, quickly or whatever. So that's, I love the way that you, you presented that piece because that's, that's a completely different way of coming at it. And you're establishing a relationship there that wouldn't be there if you just went down the path that they want you to go down. I appreciate you saying that because the reason, the point that I was trying to make with that is I never sold insurance a day in my life, but I can sell it. It's once you understand what the client is potentially saying at that time, he wants to know or she wants to know how much does it cost and for what are the terms and to see if it's worth their time to have this conversation. I'm trying to let them know it will be actually better for them to have a little bit more an in-depth conversation because I can potentially help them find the answers they're really looking for. Right. It's not about what they're saying. It's never and listeners listen to me. Please listen to what I'm trying to say. If they ask you a question, it's never what they mean. It's not what they're looking for. That they say, how much is a program? That's not what they really want. They want to see it's worth their time and how much money they have in their budget. Right. Prospect, based off of that question, a lot of people would say, based off of how much money potentially you have to spend on something, have you invested any money into a program or product or service similar to this before? What am I doing, Wes? I'm putting it back on them. Right. I'm trying to really understand what do they mean by that? Right. That's a really detailed question. I'm actually really excited that you asked me that question. A lot of people don't ask me this question up front. Am I buying myself time talking about it? Right, exactly. You're going to put your thoughts together and then be able to, you know, head off what what they're trying to get you to do or say, right? Because right. at the end of the day, it's, I mean, most of what people sell is a commodity, right? Whether it's insurance, whether it's a car, whether it's whatever, whether it's a program, whether it's a school, whether anything, right? It's all a commodity. A commodity meaning that you can get it anywhere. You can get a, there's a lot of different variations of it, and there's a lot of people selling it. So when you are, if you go and you're uh, approaching it from a commodity standpoint, meaning price, you know, and uh, time and all this other stuff, you know, that's not going to do anything for the prospect because now they don't trust you. They're basing all the value right on that commodity. You have to shift the value. It's value shifting, and then what you're doing is when you're heading off those objections. You're shifting that value so that now they look at you as I want to buy that, which meaning him, right? Or her or whatever. That's what I want to buy. I don't care about, I've, I've sold programs where people had no idea what was in them. The reason why they purchased them is because I told them it's the right, it's, it's going to help them continue on the right path. And it did because I was true to my word. But that's, that's the piece that people miss is anything that you sell Whatever it is, don't think about that thing. Think about what can I truly, what kind of relationship can I build with that client and how can I sell myself to that client? That's something I've watched you do over the years, Chris, that I've learned from a lot is is how you position and sell yourself. And that's why people keep coming back and seeing what you're doing and wanting to buy you know, programs or buy anything is because they saw the value then, they bought into you then, and now they want that same feeling or experience they had before. And they're seeking that. And that's what you want. If you want to truly become a sales professional, have people seek the experience that you gave them that was like no other. Right. And I appreciate you saying that because it does mean a lot considering the fact of how much time and effort we both put into approaching this the right way. And I don't want to come across as a certain way with the listeners right now, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Fuck it. If I did this to sell it unethically, I can make a shit ton of money. But it goes against my core values, Wes. It goes completely against because, and I know that, you know, I made a joke about this one time with a sales team is that once you cross that line and go and you cross the dark side in sales, you can never go back. It's over. Just lock it up. Goes against completely everything that I believe 
into that client. And I've had, you know, quality service people get on the phone with people that I've sold, you know, previously and years ago. They'll say, Chris, they didn't even know nothing about the product or service and you sold them. And I'm like, because I know it's what's in it for them. They're going to get to where you got to go in fulfillment. And they'll go, oh yeah, Chris told me about this briefly, but we really didn't have a, a deep cons- discussion on it because I trusted them. And they got the product and service and they did well with it. It's all about engaging in the right conversations. I'm not going to have a conversation about your kid unless you think that's going to prevent you from moving forward. Is it going to reach me to the outcome that we're searching for? I'll entertain it for a little while, but I'm going to stay on point. I'm a sales professional. I'm not a sales guy. I'm here to do my job. My job is to enroll the right people into a program or sell you the car or sell you the insurance, sell you the t-shirt at a very high level. Supply and demand, correct? That's what people forget. See, as you know, Wes, I enjoy talking. I fucking love it because that's how I express myself. I'm excited. I like to explain my journey. I like to talk about, you know, some of the things that I've helped clients with. You've heard me do this with clients. I don't talk. I ask direct questions. Right. Because it's, it's not, not about, about me, dude. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about their journey. There's not too much I haven't seen or heard. But surprise me. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Why do you want to do this? Sometimes I'll get to the point like, listen, this guy sounds like a fucking moron. True story. And those are the ones that surprise me. A lot of salespeople, inexperienced salespeople, make a bad name for sales professionals like us and make our jobs a little bit more difficult. However, it's like teeing it up for me because when they get on the phone with me, I'm going to qualify them for not just that product or service. I'm going to qualify them for the next three to five years of what they can do if they pay attention to the advice that I'm giving them. That's huge. Huge, Donald Trump. Huge. So making that shift over from a sales guy to a sales professional or sales lady to a sales professional, and then making that next shift from a sales professional to a sales advisor, that's completely different. Because if I sell this product or service the best way that I know how and increasing their overall experience and they actually enjoy the time of investing money with me, they're going to do it again and again and again. Because the recommendations based off of the information they share with me and all the information they do share with me is gold, it's priceless. Because the more information they're able to share, how more effective I'm able to help them and advise them later after they invest into whatever they're investing into. So it's not just that product or service or t-shirt, popsicle, car. I'm going to sell them the fifth car down the road five years later. Based off the financial information that you share with me, Wes or Jack, here's what I discovered and here's my advice. I wouldn't invest into this Bentley today. Not saying you can't afford it. But let's think about two years down the road if you go down that route. Why is that so effective? Because it shows it shows where your true intentions are and that's in their best interest. Right, at all times. Discovering more about them, majority of us talk too much, but don't listen enough. I listen more than I speak, but when I speak, it's me trying to really understand what they're saying to me. How can I paraphrase it? How can I put myself in their world? And how can I frame the next piece? So a lot of people come across as very cocky and very confident. But there's a very fine fine line between that, isn't it, Wes? There is. There is because the the people who are truly confident, they don't need to try to show that they're confident. Right. And this takes a lot of practice in honing this skill. First, you have to remember that the purpose of the call is for you to ask questions, listen, and learn. That's it. Shut the fuck up. Ask a question, shut the fuck up. This is not the time for pitching or offering or going for a close. You're not trying, it's not bottom of the ninth, and you're not trying to hit a home run. Okay, relax. Make them relax. Remember that reptilian part of the brain that I talked about and getting people to fight or flight? You need to get them to drop their guard and trust you. And why would they trust you? <laughs> right? You're a salesperson. But if you're not a if you're a sales advisor or a sales professional, they're going to understand it. Wes, I, shit, I've never answered. I've never, no one's ever asked me that question before, Chris. I really appreciate you asking me that question. Because a lot of people won't ask the questions that I ask. Because I'm trying to align everything perfectly to do something that's completely rare for them. It's unheard of. They never had a, a sales professional go, walk me through some of the emotions that you had 
when you signed up for this program or you signed up to, or you filled out this postcard, you filled out this information at me selling, you know, boat show. When you fill out this information, why did you fill out this information this way? Do you think? Walk me through the emotions. If I ask that question and I'm trying to sell them a boat, what am I trying to do, Wes? You're trying to understand how they need to be sold too. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That, of course, you're you're asking them emotional questions. You're tying, you're going to tie the emotional piece into the logic piece. Ultimately, everything we do is everything we say. So when once that's why we don't talk a lot on calls. The only time I talk on on a call when I talk a little bit more is when I know I'm not getting the information that I need. Right? That's what people need to understand is that if I I'm if I'm not asking a question, if I'm making a statement. I'm making that statement to try to trigger something for them to either ask me a question back or tell me something that has going to help me identify how they need to be sold to. Right. So that's everything you're really doing on a call. And getting them to relax. That's the biggest piece. My tonality when I asked that question, was it lower? Yeah. The tone of my voice is lower. Depending on who you're talking to. I mean, you're going to get a loud talk instead of a gun when you, if I'm get a loud person on the phone, I've actually said this, Wes is that I had someone answer the phone. This is probably a year ago. And they were like, hey, how's it going? I was like, woo, this call is going to be fun because I'm a loud talking son of a gun, right? I'm like, okay, well, now that I got to match your tonality, no, it isn't what it means. That means embrace the uncomfortableness. That's all it means. This call is going to be loud. Do you like loud talking people if you're loud? Of course. Something about this guy. I like this guy. He yells at me. This is cool. That's how I respond. I'm a driver, Wes. You know this. If I if I got on the phone with you and I talk and talk loud and you started yelling back at me, do you think it got through to me? Yeah, of course. But at some point in that transition, you're gonna have to calm down, aren't you? Right. And that's that's the salesperson's job is to bring that person down. Know where to drive the conversation. Developing a relaxed conversational style takes time and it takes a lot of practice. But you need to develop a calm, cool voice that's not robotic. Do this this way. Ask a lot of questions based off that style needs to be genuine, not phoning. That's what you're, that's what they're going to end up purchasing or end up investing. If you're selling to your sister, you're selling to your brother, would you be selling it the same way? No. Be based off that conversation and based off the relationship you have with them. Wouldn't it? Of course. But why is it different when to put strangers on the phone? Well, that's, that's because now people try to make it robotic or systematic, right? Or they have this, it's all about their belief system, right? Most people get in their own way, ultimately. But it's like, for me, sales is how can I get a person to a point where I can truly just be myself with that person and we can come to a common goal right? or come to a common objective. I need to build rapport at that level, not that not a friend level, you know, but at a level to where we're two people truly talking about what's, what's best for that person. Hmm. And they view me as a trusted advisor, right? So that that's your main goal if, with whatever you're selling is how can, and it doesn't matter what it is. Some people are like, Oh, I, I sell, you know, loads of toothpicks for a living. doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if your, if your item is $10, build and build that trust factor, build that advisor factor. I guess I want to call it with that person because that $10 toothpick order can potentially be $10,000 worth to you in the course of the next five years. Of course. Right. So absolutely. No, there's no reason why you have to sell any differently because you have a different product. Build rapport, position yourself as the authority, get to a point to where they fully trust you and, and you're in full rapport. And if that person, that person should get at a point to where they tell you, whatever you tell me to do, Chris, is what I'm going to do. Right. That if you've gotten to that point with somebody, you've done your job. But if some, if some person has to think about it, they have to guess or they, they have to maybe try to take a, like a, a quick like decision at it. You're not doing your job as a person because that sale, that one transaction, that's not what all this is about. It's about the lifelong experience of that client. Right. Think about this as a salesperson. If you have a CEO or a marketing team that comes out all these different promotions, what I usually do at that time is I look at the promotion or I look at whatever we're trying to accomplish. And I ask the marketing team, what made you draw up this promotion this way? Because I want to know how to sell it. What are they? Tr- what are they trying to promote? Why are you promoting it this way? Then I'm able to retrain or cross-train with the marketing team on how I want them to market. You can't sell somebody this way. No. Why? Because there's no fulfillment. 
this is what got me West. No bullshit. If people are listening to this and I was attached to your company at some point, or you were, you had my sale, you hired my sales team to do a job and we're not selling for you anymore is a good reason because your shit sucked. And we exposed that. And we're saying, you know what? Based on our relationships and our morals and our, and our core values, we're not selling for these companies anymore because we don't believe in their products or services are actually helping people or serving people the way that we intend to serve people when we get on the phone. I've even approached clients that have purchased or invested money with these programs and I've helped them be able to submit refunds, Wes. Why is that important? Because again, you're looking out for their best interest. You're their advisor, right? So you are, like you said before, you are like the family member. That's how much you have to care, right? Is You have to act as if they are you right? From that sense. Mm-hmm. And, and you're helping them. Like there's no, I, I, I will look at a client, like whether it's either they're, they're my child or whether they're like my parent or whether they're my brother or sister, like, that's how I'm going to approach what I tell them to do and what I advise them on. Not how I communicate with them, but what my intention truly is. Right. And right. Cause it's not about the money. It's not about any single dollar amount. It's about how you serve that person. And the money comes for those who are truly their intention is to serve first. The money will come, not that you don't focus on the money, not that money is not part of your plan, not that that's not part of your focus, but your intent is to serve and do well by the client. And, and the money is a, just a natural part of that process. Aligning your sales stages into your sales process with the buyer's journey will only help you connect better with your prospective buyers and establishing trusting relationships. What I would like for everyone to do because this is a very long episode and too much information can be overwhelming. Until we release part two, think long and hard about how you can align both into your sales process. Remember, it's a short week, so you don't have to wait long until Monday. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go win our day. Take care. taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect as a thank you for listening and tuning in chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success in success it's all about living a better quality of life so at the very least subscribe to the win-win effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it also please rate and review the podcast to find the free webinar and more information please visit tcrconsultingagency.com